0: Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Alexi the Greek.
1: And I'm Ryan Cooper. This is a podcast where we have decided once and for all that it was actually sexist to request that Dan Feinstein uh, be, resign, you know, at any time in the last decade. Now, let me just take a big sip of coffee and look at the news. <laughs> oh, well, no.
0: It's... it's it seems she retired on her own. Look at that.
1: Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah, permanently, permanently retired. Rest in peace, Diane Feinstein, senator from California, for approximately twenty thousand years, which is a chunk of time when you think about it. Um, but yeah, she no, she was ninety years old, I think, and uh, this would have been. It was like the last what year and a bit of her. Uh, term was coming up, but she wasn't going to run for reelection. But yeah, this was this was too long. Um, uh, so now now the big question is is all about um, you know, who's going to be who's going to replace her, and whether they're going to be able to change the Senate rules such that she'll actually be able to take uh, Feinstein's seats in the committees that she is in on the Senate. An important one being the Judiciary Committee, where they confirm ah. the judges. Um that does seem
0: important. What, what's your take on what's going to happen? What's uh you know, who's going to fill these these big old shoes?
1: Well, I mean it's it's kind of in one sense up to Republicans, but also like the sort of centrist Democrats because you know, senators die all the time. They're all 100,000 years old. Um and yeah, like Thad Cochran died in what was it? twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, and it, and it's such a routine occurrence that previously there would just be unanimous consent, you know, so basically nobody would do a filibuster, jam up the rules of the Senate to prevent the new Senator from being seated, you know, given some kind of committees. Um, uh, but, but this time would be possibly different both because now it would be basically tied um and so the previous the rule set wouldn't work anymore because they had a special rule set for the Tide Senate back in the previous Congress from 2021, 2022. And then the fact that Feinstein was on the Judiciary Committee, uh, you know, would potentially allow Republicans to block uh any of Joe Biden's uh federal ju- federal judicial nominees for the rest of the term and uh you know democrats could change the rules but the judiciary committee would be tied and 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 without the old rule set you wouldn't be able to get uh the the nominees out of there right. so right d- democrats could change the rules to to be able to do that but usually they don't want to and then on the other hand you know like what if a republican senator dies like they they want to be able to You know, this will be a bad precedent to set for them, too, because there are lots of old ones there. But anyway, yeah, that's a little digression on that thing. The other piece of news is there's this huge flooding in New York City just this morning as a recording on Friday, uh, September 29th. It's like, holy shit, it it looks worse than Hurricane Sandy, from what I can tell.
0: And the thing, have you noticed this, not just the increasing climate events, but like When Hurricane Sandy or whatever would come, uh, or any number of climate, what we would think of as climate related things, I know that any particular weather event, it's hard to say that event is caused by climate change, but you get the point, people. Um, There would be like some prediction within a few days or a week, or like there there would be some sense like, hey, prepare for this, this is coming. Now, doesn't it feel like these things just happen without any warning uh, a lot more? It, which is just harder to predict uh, than ever before
1: yeah I I think that it's it's definitely true in in that you get less warning I, I did see people saying that you know as of like yesterday the weather forecasters forecasters are saying this could be a major flood event but I guess the difference you know with the hurricane as you said you can see them coming like a week off. And a hurricane is socially understood as being like a big fucking deal. That's right. You got to batten the hatches (laughs) down. This could be really serious. Yeah. And now it's like, there'll just be a random rainstorm that will dump like four months worth of rain in two hours (laughs) out of nowhere. And there's not, it's not like a, you know, I guess you call it a flash flood, but that's, that's very much like a Mm. Western thing. I feel like you don't really talk about that so much in like Brooklyn, (laughs) you know, but yikes um so yeah hope hope you know stay uh stay dry stay out of the flood waters you know, apparently this would be pretty disgusting um and uh we hope uh we, we hope you've you've got a apparently a very sane very normal mayor in charge of everything at least and so he i'm <laughs> sure will be leading mayor eric adams an extremely competent and professional cleanup effort and the city will be back to business in no time <laughs>
0: To to borrow a Trump phrase, we've got all the best people uh, leading us through climate change crises and and everything, so we're we're in good shape. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's uh, (laughs) it's it's also bleak. Except we're going to get to some less bleak stuff in a second. But uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard not to want to just hide under the covers with some of these things.
1: Yeah, so let's talk uh let's talk some hot labor victories. Uh Writers Guild um a, WGA Writers Guild Association. That's is right. Is that what it's called? Writers Guild of America, they, I think. Is that it? They right. They won their whatever it's called, the right Writering of the Writers, stuff the in Union Hollywood. for the Writers. <laughs> they won their strike yes. uh um against the studios and um, i am just reading off this piece from the Washington post. So we have increased pay writers who work on longer content that has a budget of $30 million or more and is made for streaming services will now receive an 18% pay bump and a 26% increase in the base rate with, with which residual payments are calculated. So that's a pretty large, especially the residual increase payments as part of flat deals for feature screenplays will be sped up uh writers who work on multi-episode tv series will be paid more per week five percent more for staff writers 3.5 to 4 percent more for some editors success-based residual payments for streaming if streaming content hits a benchmark viewership writers will receive a bonus according to the agreement summary successful project released on or after january 1st 2024 would yield the writer $9,031 $9,031 for a half hour, half-hour episode, $16,415 for a one-hour episode, and as much as $40,500 for a streaming feature over $30 million in budget under the terms of the agreement. Limits on artificial intelligence. AI-generated uh, written material cannot be considered literary material written by a human and that companies cannot require writers to use AI software such as ChatGPT when writing. Um, mm-hmm. However, the writers appear to have punted a bit on their concerns that studios could use their original work to essentially train AI programs. Um, mm-hmm. So that one's right. going to be a sticking point for a while. Contributions to union health fund up twelve percent, um, and increase on minimum staffing for writers' rooms whenever they're actually drafting the uh, you know the episode scripts. WGA had asked for at least six writers to work on each show, but according to the summary, studios and streamers agreed instead to three writers for six-episode series, five writers for shows with seven to 12 episodes, and six writers for shows with 13 or more episodes. A few other smaller things. Another one is uh, is uh, data. This one could be actually very important. The studios agreed to provide the WGA with the total numbers of hours streamed, both domestically and internationally, of self-produced high-budget streaming programs, such as Netflix original series. The Guild would have to keep the At information siege. confidential, meaning the public wouldn't have access to the data. Though, per the summary, streamers agreed that aggregated information can be shared. So
0: that's not that's, quite, that's pretty good. On the yeah
1: not quite across the board victory but basically major concessions on every point at issue and uh you know a, a huge climb down from the studios you know you we heard remember those deadline pieces about how you know we just need to drag this strike out until people start losing their homes and now that's it's right like, well fuck <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> strikes they work and they do good work and um you know that this is, this is a foundation for further victories as well. And I'm curious. Do you know uh, the SGA, the Screen um, the Screen Actors Guild? Right. Uh, they're yeah. still striking, and I believe even when this was agreed to, the the writers' union um, basically, you know, said everybody can now go to the to the screen Screen Actors Guild uh, picket line, right? And, yeah. uh, I think there was even something in there about returning to work, um, being contingent on this, the actors getting their deal. Uh, any, any details on that? Is that true?
1: I did not see that, but it also kind of wouldn't make sense to me. Like, I guess logistically you could start like working on doing development yeah. stuff, but you could, you, yeah. you can't fully restart production until the the actors have theirs. And it would just be, yeah. you know, criminally negligent, both politically and ideologically <laughs> to to be like, well, we got That's ours. Right. Fuck you, actors. You know, so, like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. And so, the fact that. So the that studio- well,
0: actually. For yeah. For actors, I think.
1: Yeah. They got like, I would say, almost certain that they'll get, you know, something similar, like largely a climb down, you know, from the studios. Yeah. Um, you know, they've lost so much money, you know, and now that it's like, well, you've given the writers what they want, uh, you know, to, to, with some, you know, not a hundred percent, but yeah, it's like, well, you know, you already proved you, you're not going to stick forever. So like just face facts, I would right. guess probably within a week or two, there'll be a, that makes sense. An agreement.
0: Because the thing is, it's not even about how much they're bleeding money, although that, you know probably help supply the pressure, obviously. Um, But the amount of solidarity on the side of, of those that are striking is such that like, as we know, fundamental to capitalism, you can't do the work without the workers. And <laughs> unless you get enough, right? Like, so unless you get enough scabs, basically, um, you know, it, and unless you can apply pressure, like the guy who said, we need to basically make the writers and actors homeless, right? So, so unless you can exert pressure uh, to break the spirit of the striking workers, um, it's inevitable that you're going to, you're going to lose because that's the whole point of the structural dynamic is that uh, you literally cannot make your profit without the people generating it, right? The writers and the actors in this case, um, even with AI, <laughs> right? it's not, not enough. And so, um, you know, there was a successful, organizing done and some great work done by the the unions and um, it doesn't hurt too to have famous people lending support I think for the for the general messaging and the public support and all that good stuff so um, yeah you know one of those kind of rare instances where you like the literal industry involves people who have just massive charisma appeal and support publicly, um, to, to help the messaging and framing the struggle, you know? So good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think this tends to, you know, it d- demonstrates that this, you know, it was approximately about money and benefits. or so those were involved, but it was, I think mainly about control and status, um, Power. you know, that it, if this were just about money, You know the the studios could have sat down after a week on day one opened the books up been like here you know just done a good faith negotiation which what they ended up doing more or less here's what we can afford relative to what we think we can demand in terms of our own compensation and so on and so forth and the thing would have been over immediately and it it only lasted so long because they wanted to break the union They wanted to say, you know, we are the kings. We get to be in charge and make all the decisions. And you workers have to shut up and do what we say. Mm -hmm. And that was why, you know, they're trying to stick it out so far. And And as soon it was like, well, that's untenable. We just have to like kind of give up. Okay. Now we're actually talking about money. and and so and, and benefits that's in- the
0: easy part in a way that's the easy part once yeah. once once you once you lose the the need to just dominate and exert you know uh, your, your power and, and show that you're in charge and when it's actually necessary to collaborate, then you know the nitty gritty numbers that's not that's not difficult and I think the AI stuff, even though it's not a total win, is a pretty significant win. Um, because the, yeah. the better that that technology gets, the more of a threat it is. And so this is a, a good foundation for staving off some of that, some of the, some of further power asymmetry later on. So, uh, yeah. and so, and this stuff is in the air, right? So, our, I mean, our, our next big ticket item is uh, auto worker strikes, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure the, uh, auto executives are, are kicking themselves that this is happening right now because like these things definitely, you know, workers inspire each other. And it's like, well, the, the writers got what, what they're asking for with the strike. Why don't we, you know, keep up our strike? And, and the, uh, United Auto Workers president, Sean, uh, Fane, he's made that connection explicitly talking about how, we're all you know we're all working class here we're, we're we are all doing the work in various ways whether you're a a, a writer or a bartender or a, a working in an auto factory or whatever um that you're not yeah. if you're not owning if you're not running the business you know you're on the same side and uh None of this bullshit about like trying to carve up the working class into like, oh, the only the masculine coded professions are real working class. You can't be a bartender because (laughs) of like a bunch of pseudo Marxist gobbledygook, you know, (laughs) like, no, come on. (laughs) Don't be a fucking idiot about this stuff. It's true. It's true. Um, So. But yeah, we also had, I mean, probably the main topic of discussion is like the presidential politics that are happening around the uh, the the auto strike, which I should say, you know, so at present, it's like a, a relatively minor portion of the auto industry, just like a handful of factories that have been struck. I don't know, like maybe 10 yeah. percent of the big three, right. you know, Ford GM and Stellantis now. Um, it's not a full like the whole it's not like the Hollywood thing where the whole yeah. industry is shut down. Sure. So it, but that's thousands is, of people. It's, yeah. 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 That's right. It's but,
0: it's significant and also potentially very significant, you know. That's mm-hmm. that's uh that's the thing and it is obviously I mean it feels like it's always with us but it's now actually presidential election season, right? <laughs> like it is definitely yeah. right the, the the knucklehead republicans just had a, a a primary debate uh the other night and uh and yeah, yeah Bi- Biden deciding to join the picket line um in michigan that that is literally a campaign move um which we should talk yep. about because it's a very very interesting one and uh deviates from many precedents um that we'll we'll get to but yeah so what's the skinny where where did he go and and how did that uh you know play out
1: well he went to you know the picket line in i believe it was in detroit um uh, michigan yep. Uh, yeah. and b- basically gave like, you know, walked the picket line and gave a little address there in which he's, he basically is like, you know, when I was vice president, these companies got a pretty big bailout and that, that involved a lot of givebacks from the auto companies. And now they're making huge profits and it's time to sort of balance the books. You know, I forget the exact wording, but it was like, you know, extraordinary profits require an extraordinary contract. Um,
0: a bailout, yeah, by so, the way that that like Romney wrote an op-ed at the time against. I remember, and do you remember that? And, yeah, and like the, let you know, Detroit was, go was, bankrupt.
1: Was, mm-hmm. The uh, this was uh, this wasn't even an issue, and until Andrew Kazinski then at Buzzfeed, I think he dug this up in like 2011, and be, it became a major campaign. Uh, question because those guys were, those companies are hanging by a thread. I mean, they did go through bankruptcy. It was like a special bankruptcy assisted by a lot of money, uh, like $85 billion or something like that. Um, but they would have been r- done and that would have like ruined even more the whole Great Lakes automobile on both sides of the border in Canada too. that whole industrial complex of auto manufacturing and the supply chain and that like a bunch of the steel industry would have gone down, um and it was the obama administration was grudging about it at the time they uh, uh, appointed this wall street skull fucked steve ratner guy to basically just like (laughs) you know gouge the unions uh and and like you know all these honors by the way he is
0: he is so pissed about biden going to the picket line it's hilarious it's (laughs) amazing he's really (laughs) mad it's
1: great unprecedented he calls outrageous he calls it um (laughs) But, but yeah, that and so in 2012, I think this is basically like this was decisive in the 2012 election. Uh, yeah, that this is what allowed him to. Uh, I mean, basically to say th- this was more or less the campaign slogan, Osama bin Laden is dead and General Motors is alive. And, uh, yeah. the, and, and, and Romney key- is
0: Bain Capital, right? Romney is the epitome of Bain yeah. Capital and, and, and the epitome of, of the wall street class that wants to let, uh you know, the working class lose their jobs and everything. And so that, that, I mean, he, we've talked about this before, but the rhetoric Obama used in in that campaign was like super populist and and just like, um, you know, not at all in keeping with his actual policies as president, but like as a campaign, just a marvelous contrast to
1: Romney. Right. Yeah. They, Obama is a lucky bastard and it was lucky in his opponents.
0: He did not govern like he campaigned at all. I mean, um, the reason that people like us got you know bamboozled by him is that he was clearly the most lefty candidate running in the primaries, <laughs> in the in the first primary, and then, um, you know, he had good rhetoric. Uh, I think we've learned a lesson probably by the time he ran against Romney, but like. When he ran against McCain, too, he was very lucky because he was running against the quote, "the economy is fundamentally strong." McCain, who <laughs> like literally said that as the global economy was tanking um, and had no clue, like was fa- famously clueless in the meetings um, with uh, Hank Paulson and, and all the those people uh, about the first bailout that was needed and all that. So,
1: um, and I think the dynamic between Hillary Clinton and Trump was very different. Um, you know, you can point to all of the, you know, the, the racism and xenophobia and sexism and all that stuff. But, but his, you know, his, his like sort of main economic pitch was like, we're bringing back manufacturing. Everybody's going to have a good paying manufacturing job. We don't make things in this country. anymore. it was not like Romney. He didn't have an op-ed like that hanging over his head. Um, even though in office, I mean, we could talk about this a little bit more. It was complete bullshit. You know, he didn't really do anything except cut taxes for the rich and appoint a union busting asshole to the NLRB.
0: But yeah. Okay. So back to Biden though. So Biden goes to the picket line, uh, former Obama people like Steve Ratner lose their minds. And, um, generally there's actually a lot of surprise, I think, uh, because this is quote unquote tipping the scales. And as people have pointed out, Somewhat unprecedented, unprecedented in terms of um, clearly taking sides with with labor in a in a labor dispute, right? Like instead of the view that the president is supposed to help manage conflict or mediate between you know two different bargaining groups, capital and labor, uh, th- this is very much an explicit stand with labor and, and a statement. You like it's symbolic, right? It's not like yeah. Um, there, there's any force applied from the office or policy or anything, but um, a clear statement that uh, the workers need more, deserve more money, and a, a very clear judgment and signal, which is what the presidential position is is supposed to be largely about. You know, um, signaling to the public where support should be in a major issue like this, and that that is a big deal,
1: right? Yeah. No, I think it it is literally unprecedented for for a president to actually walk to picket line. Like FDR had meetings with with uh, union people, but you know, as you say, he was uh re- was reluctant to publicly endorse like labor's demands, especially in a specific strike action, because strikes tend to be pretty unpopular a lot of times you know it's like disrupting the normal business of life and whatnot um this one however is overwhelmingly popular i've seen a, a poll is 75 percent support and that undoubtedly has a lot to do with biden's decision you know it's just like partly cynical i think the other factor there is that like this is a pretty small strike compared to this, like this, the sit down strikes in the 40s when, when, when the big three automakers were like 10 times as important to the American economy as they are today. Um, and so, like, it's, it's a little bit easier to take labor side, uh, in, in that context because you're not, it's like, oh, we could, you know, actually like shut down, you know, a third of the entire economy.
0: <clears throat> but, plus, d- don't forget that also, because people – it's so funny how myopic some responses are. People uh, correctly point out that he crushed the rail workers at the time. But he caught a shit like, ton of flack for that. And there was like, a huge blowback. And there's been a lot of pressure on his administration ever since. Um, and so like those things are probably not unrelated. <laughs> right. Like, right. Uh, so – so yeah, how, how do you think this move, as you say, the stakes are a little different, maybe, and so there's some strategic advantages um, or reasons why it's doesn't cost him much. But uh, on the other hand, I think there's there's some dynamics we have to recognize about um, you know unions and organizers and leftists generally applying pressure and the dynamics of political reaction to uh, a moment that you know. Many saw as maybe his his worst moment as president, um, in, in how he treated the rail worker situation. Right?
1: Yeah. One well, the thing to note about the rail workers is that, like, the administration behind the, the scenes. Yeah, they yeah. they broke the strike with Congress, and then they did get their their paid sick leave, which is what their their principal demand in in making the strike.
0: And yeah, they I think later, as you say. Yeah.
1: It 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 shows you you know it's like sort of fair weather friend type of relationship you know it's like the the Biden administration is not revolutionary you know it it isn't uh you know just but also dedicated. this behind this
0: this behind the scenes shit though Obama loved that shit too uh yeah. they, they they love that they, they want to do backroom deals they want to like not have the public have transparency they want to have like the 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 elites or the leaders or whatever deciding things and having it settled, rather than mass politics, which is harder to predict what's going to happen, right? Because it's yep. not just a few people in a room. And so, I mean, apart from ideological um, opposition to the interests of, of the people, which you could say, like, we could get to Obama, um, but even Biden, right? There, there's, there's some ways in which um, Biden is a, a pro-labor guy, but some of his conservatism ideologically is definitely um, working against the, the people writ large, but also the procedural political approach is is problematic. And um, and it's better when it's out in public, and 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 this stuff is not taking place behind the scenes. And the Democrats also love to not get credit for shit that they do. <laughs> they love to like bury <laughs> bury the lead and just like hide the good things that they do for people because uh, they're embarrassed by it.
1: Yeah, because someone might get might get mad at you. Um. No, and this is why. Yeah, right. Like another comparison with Obama, like when he was running for president, he promised he was going to try to get card check passed Uh, in case people don't right. know. Card check would be a change in the labor law such that if you get 50 percent plus one person to sign union cards in secret, you know, at any point. You got your union immediately, whereas now you have to do union cards and then you get you have to do a prolonged election process, a secret ballot election, which is a huge gift to employers because they can that gives them a lot of time to bring in the anti-union consultants to pressure you yes. and all these yes. illegal and legal ways or just fucking fire all the union organizers, even though that's illegal. Yeah. That's what they've been doing in Starbucks. Anyway, Obama promised he was going to do that. And then as soon as he was elected, he just completely stopped giving a shit, even Even though they had for a while 60 votes in the Senate and like a 60 vote majority, 65 votes, I think. Anyway, a huge majority in the House, too. They just didn't give a crap. It was the 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 the, I think the calculation for solid 30 years with Democrats and and the labor movement was like, well, we can take them for granted. We They don't have anywhere to go. What are you going to do? Vote for a Republican? You know, like, well, a lot of them ended up doing that. But the, you know, was like, we're going to be the more union. so we don't have to really do anything. And that was strategically disastrous because it's like a big reason why the union movement is flat on its back. And I think this is the big change that that the Biden administration, despite being you know uh having a very incomplete and sometimes bad record on labor issues they're the most politically friendly to the labor movement of any president since since probably truman at least and arguably fdr and that is a huge opportunity for for labor for unions to actually organize lots of people in in new to like actually bring the union movement up off of its back to bring that density Back up to where it was in the 70s, you know, where like one out of three private sector uh, workers was in a union or even shit. Let's let's shoot higher than that. Iceland, it's like 93 percent, you know, fuck it. Let's see if we can beat those Iceland fuckers. (laughs) Why not?
0: (laughs) Aim high. I always love when you invoke nationalism uh, to be competitive with the Nordics. It's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Don't let those Nordics beat us. Come on. Raw, raw America. Let's be a (laughs) Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Uh, that's the kind of creative thinking we need.
1: At the end of the day, I think Biden choosing to 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 walk the picket line is just like such a great thing. Like maybe it was partly craven. Maybe his record isn't that good. But like the you lo- read the history six. of yeah, yeah, you read the history of the labor movement. Does the strike work or not? Is the union busted or not? Basically, what's decisive is is the government on your side. Um, and if it it, is, you have a chance to win. You don't always win, but you have a chance when they're they're sending the fucking soldiers after you, you don't, you lose every time you can't fight the army, which is exactly what's happened. Um, and that maybe yeah. So great. it's be, I've been ranting for a minute, but there I was at the, at the gym this morning, listening to Adam two's podcast. And he was like, sort of scandalized at this, like the, the, the new Steve. What say? Line. What say? Oh, well, it was just basically like, we're, you know, this is crazy that that the president would be not appear to be neutral. Like even a lot of social democratic uh, regimes in Nordic countries have had to at least perceive to be neutral. And this is like the politicization of absolutely everything in this country. And I'm like, (laughs) what, what are you talking about? Neutral? (laughs) (laughs) Like the, the, I mean, the history of like, uh, you know, Grover and Cleveland sending the army to like break the you know Pullman rail workers strike, or when Nixon right. sent the army in to to deliver the mail during the uh U, uh postal service strike, uh, Reagan yes. breaking the Reagan? Paco like destroying the union, straight up destroying it. Presidents uh, are
0: literally never neutral. Uh, When it comes to labor issues, and when they are neutral, that is not being neutral. That's taking the side of capital, you moron.
1: (laughs) Yeah, are you going to decline to like enforce property rights too? Is that we're going to set that up to sort of let's just see who wins? You know,
0: this is (laughs) this is example one million. In everything is already political, asshole. Like, yeah. it's already, po- everything is already politicized. It's just a matter of whose side people are on and what, what power is or isn't being used to whose benefit, right? Um, yeah. And, and so, what's great about this move by Biden is that he's kind of um, outdoing Trump for once. It like, yeah. say what you will about Trump and the kind of unprecedented shit he does is everything from criminal to terrible to racist to sexist to, whatever clownish, but he is definitely not a paint by numbers politician. He's, he does all (laughs) kinds of crazy shit. (laughs) And so it's nice for him to look kind of like a standard politician compared to Biden here, because what did Trump do? He went to, to like Drake enterprises, some non-union shop that isn't really even related. I mean, I guess they, it's a small 150 employee place that like makes parts for, and this is going to lead to our next segment, I think on, on the, uh, the right wingers like Josh Hawley and such who are trying to, to appear pro labor, but actually they just hate environmental issues and, and don't want, you know, electric cars and so forth. Anyway, this place that Trump goes, they make like parts, right? For the engine for non-electric cars yeah, for, for combustion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so maybe let's talk about how he looks in, in this, uh, kind of in this whole deal, because he is not actually taking a courageous stand or doing anything actually pro labor. And he's kind of diminishing in his remarks, the actual, um, stakes of the strike and kind of telling the workers, it's not really worth it because electric cars are going to ruin everything. So what, what's the deal with Trump here in contrast?
1: Yeah, I think this is your basic conservative populism, um, you know, where you, where you have, you like rhetorically associate yourself with the, the working class, the working class in air quotes, because they're not talking about like hospital, you know, uh, nurses or, or, or home health aides in a nursing home or something like that. It's always like big macho, you know, drillers and steelwork. With big trucks. Yeah. Big trucks. Big, big truck, big truck. Um, the, the bigger to run over the libs with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you, you know, you go and you associate yourself with this type of working class, uh, and you try to deflect their attention away from their, their employers and onto some type of other, largely cultural government policy grievance. Yeah. Yes. And it Col- cultural that's, grievance that's connected to government policy
0: though. Very importantly. Right?
1: Yes. Because, yes.
0: because the, the real bad guy, didn't you know, is the government, not the capitalists, <laughs> and no. and it's it's the government and those latte sipping libs that are the problem.
1: Yeah, and this guy Drake Enterprises, I f- I forget the name of the like business owner, but you know, classic small business owner who who has like a certain type of enterprise. He makes parts for like gas, you know, gas powered cars. Uh, and he told the reporters, like, well, if if it's all electric vehicles, I'm going out of business." Um, and so then, you know, another class, small business owner, recruiting the government to try to prevent himself from being outcompeted in the marketplace. <laughs> this is called <laughs> this is capitalism. We're uh, <laughs> that's and, right. That's right. And so then you're deflecting, you know, Trying, he's he's downplaying the strikes like this doesn't matter because the electric vehicle mandates in the, you know, the Biden inflation reduction act and this and the semiconductor bill and the infrastructure plan, all that stuff's gonna destroy the auto industry, he's saying. And so this strike, he's like, Oh, you know, he's sort of supported the idea of a pay increase but not any of the other stuff he clearly has no idea what they're trying to get especially not mentioning the the tiered contract that's one of the big demands um It's one of those things, you know, basically where you like every new worker is coming in at a different like sort of track in terms of wages and benefits. And so as people retire, Mm -hmm. you just drastically ratchet down the amount of money that people are making. That's right. And so they want to return to the previous. That's from the bailout, by the way. They want to return to the previous system of, you know, same work, same pay, um, you know, sort of the seniority and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, Trump's it's like uh, the just the classic conservative jujitsu. It's like it's not your bosses. It's not your bosses. Look away from the million dollar mansion and the million dollar yacht and the million dollar investment account in the Bahamas. It's all of these latte sipping sissy liberals (laughs) in California who are trying to hug trees. And that's what's going to take your job.
0: It's Gre- Greta Thunberg is taking your jobs. And, <laughs> yeah, and, it's, right. and, 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 you know, you wrote a great piece here. Uh, by the way, I just want to take a dig at Gavin Newsom, who is a smooth politician, like, a la Pete Buttig- Buttigieg. But, um, you know, your, your typical establishment dem who goes on like Sean Hannity, literally the other day. I think he was on there right after the Republican debate. And, and he was correcting the record to boast about how Biden, how under Biden's administration, Um, you know, domestic oil production has, has gone up since Trump. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's what we should do. We should, we should defeat the Republicans on out producing oil, uh, versus what the Republicans will do. That's, that's the right change and, and way to win, win over people is, is to, uh, I, it's just so depressing. Anyway, back to, back to, uh, the, the article you wrote about, this idea that electric cars will ruin the auto industry. And so you kind of debunk that while acknowledging there's like a kernel of truth, as there is with like any transition away from something harmful to the common good, where like, you know, we're going to do things differently. Because what are jobs are just like things people do. And if, yeah. Certain things people do are bad for us. We should not do them. And then the people doing that will have to do something else. And then we should have a kind of polity that like doesn't screw over those people who happen to be displaced by that change, like the Republicans and the free market, like neoliberal libertarians want, right? Um, but like that is the logic that says we shouldn't overthrow the institution of slavery, because what are all the plantation owners going
1: to do? They don't have any way <laughs>
0: to, like, jet generate. right? I mean, like, you know what I you mean? Like, just- that's a good- that's it's it, just a crazy people, logic.
1: <laughs> people did say, I guess, basically, that you need a just transition for so this is what Britain did. They bought out yes. all the slave They spent more than like they spent on all public education put together to to to, to buy the slaves and then free them in eighteen thirty three, I think. But yeah, just no, just I transition to slave Jesus.
0: James Madison was doing the math early on in you know the beginning of the nineteenth century about how cuz we had all those territories that hadn't yet been um turned into states so we had a lot of land and so he was trying to do the math and basically figured out that like there was enough wealth to to buy out all of the plantation owners and then like create Liberia and send basically all the freed slaves to have their own country so he was, he was like doing that math. Anyway, th- th- this idea of transitioning to something better and dealing with the people who will be affected by it is a longstanding issue, but it doesn't mean that it's not something we we need to, we, we shouldn't do. Like that's, it's a non sequitur. Um, so anyway, well, what, yeah. what did your piece say about this idea that it's going to destroy the auto industry?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, on the one hand, uh, You are going to need a lot fewer parts and and repair shop people because uh, EVs are much simpler and they need much less maintenance. I guess this is something I learned while writing the piece. I didn't know this. I thought it was going to be like a big reduction in total employment. Some people disagree with that because assembling batteries is very complicated and difficult. And so there might be a lot. There might be a basically a wash in terms of total employment because you're going to have tons and tons of people working on batteries. Um,
0: well, I was going to ask, though, is that something, though, that mechanics or people that are savvy with combustion engines Um they'll have to get trained on it. It's not something that they can like automatically know how to do either, right? Like no, maybe well, I that mean, it's I mean, I mean, maybe it is something that is within their kind of um skill set in terms of learning. Like it's not the same thing as telling coal miners to learn how to code, right? Like it's it's a little yeah. more it's it's not quite that difficult to transition.
1: I confess I have never worked in a battery factory, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> i think you're 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 you're, my sense is you're basically right that they would need training but it's 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 a sort of similar type of you know just manual labor or like putting things together type of type of thing um you know probably not the greatest jobs i would guess but this you know that's why is one of the big demands in the uaw strike is that to make the 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 because like the automakers want to as they switch over, they basically want to just like get rid of all the union jobs. They want to create new jobs that are ununionized in like southern states, uh, to, to build all the EV stuff and just and do it. That's a the trim. key
0: is not, not letting them do that. I mean, that's
1: yeah, the, that's exactly. Thing, right? A lot of them already are, you know, cause there's a lot of the, you know, a lot of people build cars in this country from, you know, Japan to Toyota and or, or, or Korea, you know, Kia and Hyundai. Uh, they, they got factories here and they're usually in the South because it's really hard to organize in the South. And, uh, you know, this is what the, the big three want to do too. But, um, that would be, uh, you know, it's a struggle. Um, they've tried, you know, they've tried to organize these, uh, other non-union factories many, many times. And basically universal failure has been, uh, thus far the, the result.
0: So so that that fight has to go on. But uh you, you point out though that the transition to electric vehicles, and again, this is separate from the idea that we need to rely on cars less. Like obviously that's an important yeah. thing we need to do. We need to have great and cheap or free, ideally uh excellent public transportation, et cetera, et cetera. But to the extent that cars are relied upon, um, they're cheaper, more environment. It's not just the environmental friendliness, right? That there's a lot of benefits for consumers and therefore workers who are also consumers, right? So, so like yeah. this transition serves the common good in many ways. Um, you know, apart from the, the fact that like this industry, along with many others, needs to, uh, be involved in that, that basic labor struggle for good pay, uh, unionization, all the things that that like we should guarantee for all jobs, right? But like apart right. from the th- the thing that all workers should have, you know, applying here as well, um, this shift to electric is is a good thing, not just for the environment, but for the economy and for for people generally, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I sort of lost my train of thought there, but the the um, as you say, electric cars are just better. Like I drove one for the first time the other day. I drove a Chevy Bolt, uh, as it were. Um, as it, as it happens, not a Tesla. Fuck Tesla. Fuck Elon Musk. <laughs> and I hope he gets his tongue caught in the roller of an electric typewriter. Um, but <laughs> the the bolt, it was great. You know, I mean, they're just they're so snappy. They're so um, nice in there. Yeah, you With said something low- about
0: the torque. Tell me, tell me about the torque, baby, for those car nerds yeah
1: i mean this is not even by electric car standards it's a little baby you know it's only like only 200 horsepower and like 250 foot pounds of torque but the thing about it that makes it different even from driving a, a car with more torque is that the the power is instantaneous like you touch the pedal and it's like you know it's pushing you back in your seat not that hard not like one of the tesla plaid x whatever the hell that thing is um that goes zero to 60 in, in two seconds. Like that's necessary to do. That's a certain like <laughs> thing that I need to have um, on the highway. Um, you know what we but, need,
0: Ryan? We need to combine the roller coaster experience with uh, basic transportation. That's what we need to do. We yeah. Need to, like, to, to make, you know, basic navigation of our uh, roads, something that is akin to the, the jolt of adrenaline you get when dropping 300 feet in a roller coaster. Yeah.
1: So you combine that with the easier, the le- less maintenance, saving you a lot of money and uh, saving you a lot of money on, on uh, like uh, fuel payments. The the They're just way more efficient, you know, pound for pound. But Ryan, than, what
0: about the problem with not having the, the ability to drive very far but until your charge <laughs> runs out?
1: Yeah. The, I mean, this
0: is the it's other thing. It's impossible to overcome that. No, it's yeah. impossible. It just can't. Nope. That's a limitation that will never be fixed.
1: It, the the Bolt had a range of like 270 miles or something like that. And it, and it did, you know, I, I get why people think this. So I'm like looking at that down, go down and down. I'm like, oh, shit, I wonder if it. But the thing is, what what I'm thinking, oh, shit, is that like you pull off to a random place by the side of the road. station. Gas station yeah yeah like you pull to a gas station or any random town you have no idea without getting your app out or whatever whether or not there's yeah, gonna where be you can charge a charger it. yeah um whereas yeah. like yeah. gas stations you don't even have to look you you know every town even like the smallest town has a gas station
0: <laughs> you know and, ryan you go to the right neighborhood and every house has a charger you just pull into their driveway and char- <laughs> just
1: like <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> No, and I think, I mean, I think you don't need nearly as much by way of like gas stations, quote unquote, for chargers. But like, yeah, this is just a question of building enough chargers. Public infrastructure.
0: This is basic public infrastructure,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a range anxiety, anxiety problem. It's an infrastructure anxiety problem. There's just not enough. And if you've, if you've driven around and actually try to use a public charger, like half of them are always broken for some reason. And the other half are not delivering, you know, 350 kilowatt hours. Like I was watching a guy on, on YouTube trying to drive around and find one that actually did 350. And not a single one, he went to like 14 different stations. Not a single one would do 350. I mean, presumably that's, it's a, that's a lot of power, but. Anyways, that's something that's going to be solved over time. And that's why the peculiar thing about, you know, Trump's move is that like, so these small business shitheads want to stop the green transition by like getting the government to pull the rug out from under, you know, all these policies. But all the audio manufacturers, the big three and pretty much every other global manufacturer. They've already gone all in on this stuff. They've invested oh, something like, according to the Environmental Defense Fund, $143 billion in new factories, new designs, new everything. All, all it takes to uh, create a different kind of car and to, uh, you know, pull pull out like the American— uh policy support for all this stuff, all the subsidies for chargers and um electric vehicle purchase and all the rest of it, that would just be to cede the field to Europe and and China for the most part. China, which is already eating everyone's lunch at electric cars with their their company BYD. And so you're it's a, it's very it seems very culture war, you know, because like Classic, you know, you're sort of thinking about this from a capitalist standpoint. It was the, the, the big business, the, the, the grand bourgeoisie. They, they don't want to get rid of all of their goodies. You know, it's like this. That's right. Yeah, the, this is the small business tyrant morons who think that they can turn the clock back, even though it can't be done. We're going in. We're going no, forward. It,
0: it, it reminds me. It reminds me when, you know, back in the day, it was unheard of to think that marijuana was going to be something that could be uh, permissible for medicinal uh, use, let alone recreational use for profit. Forget about it. And then, of course, the tobacco companies were like, wait a minute. Uh, this seems somewhat similar to what we already do. (laughs) Like we could, (laughs) we could make a lot of money off of this. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about capitalism. It's like, please just give me profit. I don't, I don't care if it's green or black or I don't care if your lungs get full of tar or if it helps, you know, save us from climate change. Give me that capital accumulation, baby. So that's, you know. We got a lot of different battles in this general war on capitalism's uh, disaster. so uh, we can you know we can allow the capitalists to be in favor of green um, green jobs uh, because that that is you know a different battle. Um, so I think the it politics is- here are gonna be hard for trump to i mean he tries to make Biden seem like a latte sipping, sip like Greta Thunberg and Biden are the same person or something, but it just it doesn't work. I don't think it's going to work. You know, it's just uh, as much as they have the echo chamber with so many crazy propaganda voices, there's a, some point at which like most people just look at Joe Biden <laughs> and he does not at all resemble, uh, uh, you know, a hippie <laughs> environmentalist, you know. So it's I don't know I I don't think Trump is going to be uh, well he lost last time but I don't think he he's got a, a you know a much better um, you know he's got a tougher opponent he he is one of the worst candidates of all time even if he has a special following and um, yeah I don't know he's he's not he's not punched at the heavyweight level on this issue at least what do you think
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess yeah, to we could end on the the political dynamics of it. Um oh, by the way, something that just occurred to me, this makes for an interesting choice for the the like the, you know, automobile bourgeoisie and that like they really don't like Biden, uh, you know, siding with the auto workers union, but on the other hand, they yeah. really don't want Trump to take away all their goodies. <laughs> so, we are going to pick one or the other. Um I yeah. mean, it's Biden's the 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 auto workers are not an existential threat to the automobile companies. They want the companies to keep existing so they can have jobs, you know. So like, (laughs) you'd hope at least that that, the reason would would break through. But yeah, as far as Trump, you know, I think it's you you look at his. Occasionally, I'll pop over to Truth Social to look at the what he's posting on there. That man has fucking melted his brain. It's just been like stewing in right wing, like a, a, a f- you giant puddle of like f- uh, fingernail polish remover and <laughs> rat poison. And he took like he called basically for the Mark Milley, the chairman oh, of that's the right. Joint. Oh chiefs.
0: yeah, how, th- this is how crazy he is that I totally forgot about that. Which. <laughs> <laughs> in the history in the history of politics since I've been alive, had I not known Trump as a candidate, that one thing he said would have been the most like noteworthy thing that any candidate or former president has ever said. He called for the, basically the execution of his former commander like not he's the commander former commander in chief, but the former uh head of the military, uh, yeah. General Milley, right?
1: Yeah, former top <laughs> general in the country. Said he should be killed. Yeah. And uh <laughs> You know, it's like Biden's super old, but Trump is also super old. You know, he's only a yes. couple years younger and he's also lost many steps from when he was in the 90s, you know, like relatively coherent, good on you know, TV. You stuff. know what I
0: wish, Ryan? Do, do you know how when uh in a couple, an elderly couple, uh one of the spouses dies and then, you know, the other one passes within a few months? <laughs> I see I secretly hope that both Biden and Trump are in love with Diane Feinstein
1: is what I'm hoping because uh, well that would be great, I, That'd be great. if it, if it's a uh, if it's Kamala Harris versus like Ron DeSantis I don't know if I don't know if I like those <laughs> odds very much either um,
0: all right but, fine just Trump can be in love with her all right
1: fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the well, I mean, that's another one, though. If it's Biden versus basically anyone but Trump, at least on the polling. But yeah, you um, Trump being, I think his his biggest asset now is the media, because like they're they're not like <laughs> they like as you so said, much. <laughs> they love like I've I've read like a half a I mean, dozen. They,
0: they somehow portrayed his visit to this non-union shop. As like supporting the workers it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like even the things he said has not, like he was saying things against the strike like it, the coverage he gets is just unbelievably favorable it's, it's bananas.
1: Yeah he gets a ton of coverage I mean a lot of it's negative but it's not as negative like they basically can't bring themselves to write the articles that you know would make sense to write about somebody like Trump. Trump wants yeah. to set up a fascist dictatorship. Trump wants to murder all of the generals who don't support, swear like a blood oath of fealty to him personally. Like that's. You know why, Ryan? why, Because
0: not writing those things, that's what it means to be neutral. Apparently.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it feels partisan <laughs> to describe reality. Um, yes. And so you have the, the, the Peter Baker, like the Mr. Magoo, Of the uh, crypto right wing New York Times reporters, as I called them on Blue Sky, just writing these like bumbling airhead articles like, oh, Trump's trying to appeal to the union. And just like making egregious (laughs) factual errors, as you say, describing this like crowd of non-union scabs, basically, as as like supporters of the union, probably like some of them had been like bust in by the campaign.
0: No, no. There were no, for sure. There was one person who had a, um, you know, what was it? Auto workers for Trump sign, and they and the and they confirmed that person was not an auto worker. <laughs> and then there was w- one other person who had like unions for Trump sign, and they confirmed that person was not part of a union. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's theater. It's it's just um, you know, don't forget Trump is his hero is is P T Barnum. It's it's, it's a circus. Yeah. And um, just the sheer quantity of shit
1: he puts out the, you know, there's like a few articles about him calling for Millie to be executed, but like it made no dent whatsoever in the overall coverage. You know, if, if Biden had said something like that, it would have been, you know, block capital uh, headline in the top of the New York times for like two weeks straight.
0: And not only that, that kind of thing used to all the other political leaders would have had to come out and publicly comment on it and, and condemn it. And, and, you know, there, there, there would ha- like there would be accountability, not just for Trump, but for like every other public figure <laughs> to be like, no, no, we are reinforcing the idea that this is very bad. You know, <laughs> that this is not uh, what is, you know, something a, an American political figure should be doing. But yeah, our, our political class is, is largely, uh, gutless so i like our media frankly so keep fighting the good fight at the american prospect coops keep doing the the good work you're doing and uh we will do it's going to be a long political electoral season (laughs) (laughs) this is so early on um yeah uh, yeah yeah
1: i can't wait it's gonna be great it's gonna be great good talk
0: good talk <laughs> uh, um, all right, everybody. Th- thanks again for uh, for listening. Uh, hit us up with any guest requests. We're gonna have some guests coming up here. Um, topic requests, write us hate mail, whatever you want to do. We want your feedback and such. Oh, also PSA: Get your booster if you're in the states and you can do it. I'm in Greece and so I have to wait. But uh, flu shot, new vaccine booster. It's That's good for true, you yeah. and good for everyone. So do it.
1: I got I got um, both of mine on the same day. Felt like crap for a day, but then I was back to back to normal. So no big and deal. It's, and it's worth
0: it. <clears throat> it's still free. Uh, Coops. It's yep. still free. Right.
1: Okay. Still free. We
0: and apparently Biden is sending out tests again, or allowing the the free free shipping of uh, COVID tests for four free
1: tests. Just punch your um, yeah your address into the little thingy. It's like freecovittest.gov or something.
0: The capitalists might want you to think that the pandemic is over, but it's it's still a thing. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode.